Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. growing up, um, and we just came off of Christmas, and so I'm sure that there's some, some, uh, some of you maybe got your kids, if you have younger kids or teenagers, uh, maybe they wanted the PS5, or they wanted an Xbox, or they wanted, but, but when I was growing up, game systems were, were, were something that was kind of new, it was just kind of some things that were, were, were coming out. You had some of the things prior to me, like Pong, did anybody have Pong, and, and that kind of stuff, you know, and, and some of the computer stuff was just starting to, to happen and go, but personal gaming systems. I mean, you had arcade, but personal gaming systems were, were, were relatively new. And I remember uh, first starting out playing Atari. Did anybody remember playing Atari? Yeah, you know, Pac-Man and, and uh, Galactica and, you know, some of those, some of those fun things. But, but that was a little early on. For me, the, the revolution really, really started when there was Nintendo. Anybody remember Nintendo. Nintendo really broke it. This Japanese company, Nintendo, they really, they really broke it open uh, with things like uh, Super Mario Brothers and, uh, and and the Legend of Zelda Mario Brothers. How, you know, anybody enjoy playing those those games? Yeah, and then then what came out following that uh, was uh, to compete with them was Sega, right? The Sega Genesis. I still have mine. The Sega Genesis. Anybody remember this? You know, video game systems today, you know, incorporate things like PS5 and Wii and, you know, you download games and you sit for like, and people complain, oh, I'm, you know, it's like, it's like, like 24 to 48 hours to download a game on the hard drive of my system before I can play it. Or, you know, a disc that has to transfer all the information over to the gaming system. And, the, you know, and the graphics are just incredible. But in my day, we, we thought we were cutting edge, Right. If you were around, I'm just dating myself here. If you, if you were around then, I mean, back then they had games, and I have this one still, College Football 96, all right? And uh, I still have some games from 95. I still have my system. But if you remember when you were playing uh, that game, you know, rather than a disc, you had this, this kind of cartridge kind of thing, and inside, you know, had a graphic card on it that, that you would plug it in, and you'd hit the power button to play, and does anybody remember what you would do if it wouldn't start right away? This was before hacks were a thing, but there was, there was a hack. Anybody remember what it was? You blow in the cartridge, right? I mean, I'm just nostalgia, right? There are some of you that are just like, you're like, man, I remember those days. And you, you, you'd put it back in. But also on the gaming system there, besides the power button, if you had a problem and it would freeze up or was not working the way you wanted to, there was, a, there was another button on there. And, and that button's called the reset button, right? It was the ability to start over. And if you had a sibling like I did and sibling rivalries and you were both competitive, if you were losing like my brother often was when we were playing and he would get mad, he would just reach up and hit the reset button in the middle of the game so that he didn't lose. I'm sure that none of you were the one who hit the reset button. It was all your siblings or your friends that would come over and play, right? Right? The reset button started things over. 
It's a chance to start over again. It's a chance when, when things are not going right to say, you know what, I need a redo. I've got to start over again. I, I need some kind, of a, some kind of a change, some kind of a reset, some kind of a, a redo. You know, I also grew up in the day and age when, when, when computers were, were, were coming out, and particularly when Windows came out, and, and, uh, and, 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 and you, you would find that, that sometimes Windows would start to run slow because you didn't have enough uh, RAM, random access memory, right? And things would start to, and sometimes it would freeze. And when the computer would freeze, what would you have to do? Control, alt, delete. Anybody do that? All right, control, alt, delete. Everybody remember control, alt? Sometimes in our life, we need a control, alt, delete. We, we, we need some kind of a reset, some kind of a start over. Sometimes we find in our lives, we get the blue screen of death in life. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, we think things are going, but then trouble starts to come and things start to freeze up and not go right. And we think, what is going on? Sometimes we need a reset. And so at the beginning of this year, as I began to pray, and I started praying uh, back at the end of November, Lord, what are you... What, 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 what are you putting on our heart? What do you want me to, to teach on? What do you want me to preach on as we begin a new year? This word, reset, kept, kept coming up in my mind over and over and over again. So I began to study and I began to pray and I began to say, God, what do you want to do? And the Lord gave me several characters in the Bible who had some reset moments in their life. And I really feel like God wants us to dive in and study some of these folks in the Bible some of, these care, some of these people that were real life people like you and I, that at some point in their life, God came and said, you know what? It's time to hit the reset button in our lives. It's time for a reset, a reset. And you know, some of you, some of you this year, you need a spiritual reset in your life. As we begin a new year and we, we put 2021 behind us and we look ahead to 2022 and beyond, for some of you, spiritually speaking, your spiritual life has been cold. Your spiritual life is not where you want it to be. You've not necessarily paid enough attention and you found that some of the problems and things you're experiencing now in your life are a result of the fact that you've drifted away from some of the things that, that God has asked you to do. And this is an opportunity as we turn over a new year to hit the reset button and say, I need a reset spiritually in my life. For some of you, it, it, it might be as life is, is seasonal. You, you're entering into a new season. Maybe some things happened in 2021 or the end and, and, and that season is coming to an end and, and God says, I've got a new season for you. You're entering into a, a new season of your life. Maybe it's a reset after failure. Listen, your past and failure doesn't have to hold you back. God took takes, and we're going to see that in the scriptures, takes over and over again, people who have had failures in the past, and he says, your past does not define your future. You can learn from your past, and it can shape you, but it doesn't have to define you. You don't have to get stuck. Some of you need a reset in your future. Some of you need a reset in your priorities and your desires and your disciplines. And my prayer throughout this month as we begin to look at these different characters in the Bible is that God would speak to you and you would open up your heart and you'd say, God, what is an area? What's a part of my life? Is there something in my life where you need to do a reset in my 
life. Maybe it's a reset in your marriage. Maybe it's a a reset in your family. Maybe it's a reset in your priorities. A reset in your purpose. A reset in your walk with God. And so to begin with today, we're going to go back all the way to the book of Genesis. We're going to start in the book of Genesis with an Old Testament character in the name uh, in the book of Genesis. And, uh, and uh, he's a grandson of Abraham. He's a grandson of the patriarch Abraham who, who God had, had called out. And for the sake of time, uh, we're not going to look at every area of his life. He had several reset opportunities in his life. His name is Jacob. His name is Jacob, and, uh, and, 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 and God led him to a place, and we're going to look at a specific section and season where God led him to a reset in his life. So let me begin with a little bit of history. In case you're not familiar with who Jacob is, as I said, Jacob's father was Isaac. Isaac's father was Abraham. So Jacob is a grandson of Abraham. And uh, God had made a promise to Abraham, if you remember, that he was going to bless him and he was going to bless his family. And, and, and his family out of him was going to become a, a great nation and that nation would be a blessing to all the world. The problem was is that Abraham was old. His name was Abram at the time when God first made the promise. And he was already old at the time. And his wife, Sarah, was also advanced in age and she was barren. He had no children. So for God to make a promise like that, that was a promise that, that seemed like it was an impossibility. And God made the promise and years and years and years and years and years passed and God hadn't answered that promise. It wasn't until Abraham was 100 years old and his wife Sarah was 90 that they finally had their son Isaac. But God was fulfilling his promise, not in giving him multiple children, but one child, Isaac, with whom the promise would carry on. And then Isaac had received the same covenant. God had appeared to Isaac and God had spoken his promise to Isaac in Genesis 26, 4 and told Isaac that, that he had made that promise to Abraham and he was going to fulfill that promise and that covenant he made through Isaac. But the problem was is that, that when Isaac married his wife, Rebecca, she too for a season was barren. And he prayed and prayed that she would be able to have a child and, and they conceived and, and, and she was pregnant and she was having a, a, a difficult time in her pregnancy. It wasn't easy. And as you know, in that day and age, there were no ultrasounds. You didn't go to the doctor. They didn't put an ultrasound and over your, your belly and give you a picture of what's happening inside. She had no idea. All she knew was, is, man, if this is pregnancy, I don't know if I want to do this again. Some of you have been there before. She felt like something was going on and she couldn't go to the doctor. So what did she do? She began to pray and she began to ask God and God answered. He said, the two children, it says this, but the two children, Genesis 25, starting in verse 22, but the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went and asked the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked and the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other and your older son will serve the younger son. So before, before Jacob is even born, he is in, in his mother's womb with his brother Esau and there's already a wrestling match going on. There's already a tussling going on. There's always a, there's a struggle. And again, before ultrasounds, God had told her, you're gonna have twins, basically. That's what he, she, that's what he told her. 
And when she gave birth, it was true. She did have twins. And Genesis 20, 25, 25, and 26 is the first one came out. He was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. And they named him Esau, which means Harry. Should have named him Harry. Esau. And the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. And they named him Jacob. Heel grabber. Heel grabber. Grasping at something. And you know, when you take a look at Jacob's life throughout his, his growing up and throughout his life, you can see him constantly grasping at something. The, the desire that was inside of him began and the wrestling inside of him began all the way in his mother's womb. And we know later on when David wrote Psalm 139, he says that God has a purpose for us before we're ever born. Before we're ever born, God's got a purpose. And he was wrestling with that purpose, wrestling with that, not quite sure, grasping at something, wrestling with something and hanging on to his brother's heel. And throughout that time period, it always seemed as he grew that he was wrestling with something. His brother came out and his brother was a skilled hunter. His brother was adventurous. His brother was an outdoorsman. His brother hunted for things. And as a result, his dad, Isaac, favored his, his brother favored his brother. His, his brother Esau was daddy's favorite. If you're a parent, it's not a good thing to have favorites. Your kids know that. They pick up on that. And, 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 and so Esau was dad's favorite and he never really felt dad's favor upon his life. He was more quiet. He, he was someone that was a tent dweller, somebody that stayed around home, kind of a homebody. Do we have any homebodies in the place? If you're a homebody, oftentimes you, 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 you marry somebody who's not a homebody and it creates conflict in your marriage because they're an everybody and you're a homebody. They want to be around everybody and you want to be a homebody and it can create some problems if you don't work it out. That's extra for you today. Opposites. Esau, adventurous. Daddy's favorite. Jacob, staying around home. A mama's boy. Mama's favorite, Right? More of mama's favorite. And, and whatever it is, there was, there was something inside of him where he just didn't feel like he measured up. And so he was quiet and, and had to figure out how to do that. If he couldn't wrestle physically and beat his brother physically, he was going to deceive him mentally. He'll, he'll figure out a way. And so being adventurous, Esau was out hunting one day and being a man of the, uh, 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 of the flesh, he was hungry. He came back and he caught nothing. And that was an opportunity for Jacob. And Jacob is cooking some really good stew and Man, you can imagine the smell of that stew as his brother comes in hungry and, and, uh, and his brother wants it. Come on, give me a portion. Give me, give me some of that stew. I'm hungry. And he says, well, I, I got a bargain for you. If you want the stew, you give me. You sell me your birthright and I'll give you the stew. And Esau in that moment gives in to the flesh. You have to understand the birthright. Let's go back. God made a covenant promise that out of Abraham, he would, he would make a great nation, right? And, 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 and that promise was passed down to Isaac. And that promise was made that it was going to come from one of Isaac's children. 
And, and Rebecca had heard that the younger would serve the older, but that wasn't something that as it was going that Isaac was willing to, to, to buy into. And you have this idea of the birthright, and the birthright is that as the oldest and the firstborn, you would get a double inheritance of, of, your, your, of your parents' uh, wealth. You would be the one that would, that would gain a double portion of the inheritance. Your brother would get what was left over, but you'd get double that. And on top of just the material wealth, you were the person that would take on the, the, the leadership of the family. So if dad passed away, you would step up and you would be the leader of the family at that point. And your brother would have to come under your submission and any other siblings or family members you would take over in leadership. And you would also take over priestly as the spiritual lead of your family. All of that, Esau, in a moment of hunger, in a moment of flesh, was willing to sell for a pot of stew. He sold his birthright to his brother Jacob. Later on, Isaac is getting older and he's, he, he can't see, he's blind, it's hard, hard for him to see. And he pulls his son Esau and he says, listen, it's time. I'm going to give you my blessing. I want you to go out. I want you to hunt for some game. Come in, prepare a meal for me. And after I eat, I'm going to bless you. And Rebecca, his wife, hears about it. And she knows the promise that God had made. And she's worried that God's not going to fulfill his promise. And so she takes matters into her own hands. How many have ever done that before? Right? You know God has said something and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. And it looks like it's going to go a different direction. And so you got to put your hands all over it. That's what happened to Rebecca. She had to put her hands on it. Jacob's a little bit reluctant to go along with her plan. But she says, I've got a plan. I want you to go along with it here. Here's what I want you to do. You go get a goat. You're a shepherd. Go get a goat from the field. Go get a goat from, from where you're at. Bring it in here. We're going to prepare some tasty game. And Jacob's like, I don't know if this plan works. I mean, if dad finds out, he's not going to bless me. He'll curse me. And I'm nothing like my brother. I don't even have any hair on my body. I'm, I'm not my brother. And, and I don't have that. And she said, you don't worry about that. I'll take care of that. And she takes the hair from the goat and she puts it all over. She puts his brother's clothes on him and they don't have washing machines in that day. So it still smells like the field and all of those things. And she prepares this and Jacob goes in and he deceives his dad into believing that he's Esau and his dad gives him the blessing. In other words, the Abrahamic blessing, the covenant passed down from Abraham to Isaac, now passed down to Jacob. And when Esau comes in, he recognizes that he has been deceived in Genesis 27 36 talks about the cost that happened when they put their hands on it and deceived Esau exclaimed no wonder his name is Jacob for now he's cheated me twice first he took my rights as the firstborn and now he's stolen my blessing Esau was angry and began to plot and he said you know what I'm gonna kill my brother my father's getting old, and when my father dies, all, everything is, all the chips are on the table. I'm, I'm going after my brother. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And Rebecca, hearing this, says, you know, I think you got to get out of town. <laughs> Jacob, it's time to get out of town. Ah, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. I don't know. We got to preserve your life because because Esau wants to take your life. It's time to, to, why don't you go to my, my, my family 
Go back to my family. My brother still lives there. Why don't you go back and you find a wife there from my family. Don't marry one of these local women, these Hittite women. They've caused me all kinds of problems. Esau did that and it's just caused nothing but problems in our family. And so you go back, you, you go there. So you have homebody, all right, Jacob, right? Homebody, not adventurous. Esau's the adventurous one. Esau's the one that goes out. Jacob's been the one at home. Jacob's been the quiet one. He's the one at home. But because of the way he went about gaining what he believed was the promise of God, what he always desired, heel grabbing, now he finds himself with a great cost. Not only does he have a severed relationship with his brother and his brother wants to kill him, but now he's got to leave the only home that he's ever been around. He's got to leave mom. He's got to leave dad. He's got to get out of town and go to a place he doesn't know. That's not easy. But he's wrecked things. He's wrecked things at home. And now he's got to go on this adventure and he's afraid. He, he, he's, he's afraid. And, and so he, 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 he has this encounter as he leaves home. He has an encounter with God. God visits him in a dream. And God speaks to him and he says, you know what? Even though this might not have, uh, even though you, you're, you're afraid... My, my blessing is on you. My covenant will be with you if, if you do this. He protects him. He says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bring you back to this place. The place was called Bethel. And, and Genesis 28, 16 through 21. I am getting somewhere. Just hang on with me, please. It says this, Genesis 28, 16 to 20. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Can I just pause? That's just extra. That just hit me. When you read something, sometimes you got to pause, right? The Lord was with me and I wasn't aware of it. I, I don't know who you are. Maybe it's somebody watching online. You've wondered where God is. Let me tell you something. God is with you. Some of, sometimes we're just not aware of it. God is with you. Sometimes we're just not aware of it. That's extra. He was also afraid. Some of you are fearful. But he said, what an awesome place this is. Not other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. And the next morning, Jacob got very early. He took the, the stone, he'd rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. He poured oil over it, and he named the memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place, excuse me, I, I read that twice. He named the place Bethel, which means house of God. El is, is the prefix in Hebrew for God. Beth El, house of God. House of God. And although it was previously called lust, then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, if he'll provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. So, okay. I, you know, I'm kind of in. This is the house of God. I kind of believe but, you know, I, I'm truly not going to make you Lord of my life. I'm not going to make you God of my life until you do this, 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 and this. <laughs> Anybody ever done that before? God, if you do this, then I'll believe in you. God, if you do this, then I'll believe in you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that even when we make statements like that, that you, you honor that and you, 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 you find a way to speak to us, right? 
He's overwhelmed, and he, he recognizes. Now, let's fast forward, all right? So I'm, I'm, I'm fast forwarding through a bunch of scriptures. So you got to read in Genesis if you want to you wanna get the whole context of what's going on. So he, he travels, he journeys, and he, and he goes to the house of his uncle uh, Laban and, and follows uh, kind of that direction. His mother's brother is Laban, and, and he's a shepherd by trade, and he has two daughters, Leah and Rachel, Leah being the oldest, Rachel being the youngest. And, and while Jacob is there, he, he just gets one look at Rachel and it's a Hallmark movie. I mean, he just falls deeply in love with her. Her eyes sparkle and he sees and he falls in love with her. And so he says, I want to marry your daughter, but I, I, I'm coming with absolutely nothing. I left my house. I may have a blessing from my father. I may have been, uh, got the birthright from, from, from my, my brother and stolen it, but I just had to leave everything behind and flee and I have absolutely nothing. So what do I, what do I give as a bride price? And, and so Laban being the guy that he is says, why don't you work for it? You work for me for seven years and I'll give you my daughter, Rachel. And, 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 and scripture is just so wonderful because it says that, that that seven years just went by. It felt like nothing, right? That's just like a Hollywood romance. Seven, oh, it just feels like nothing. It's just so wonderful. And, and the time comes after seven years, I've paid my price. I've, I've done my, my dues. And, and so give me Rachel as my wife. And so they live in a day and age where it's dark and there's no electricity and, 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 and you can't really see and, and ladies are all veiled up and, and we could go back to a little more veiling. Wait a minute. I didn't say that. Anyway, and, and so you didn't know who was who. That was extra. Some of you will pick up on that. You'll know what I'm talking about. Even in winter right now, there are people that need to clothe themselves more. Anyway, I need to stop. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's dark. It's dark, all right? If we just shut the lights out, it's dark. And, and, and so they go through in the veil and they get married and they go and to consummate the wedding and, and, uh, and the morning comes and the light comes and he rolls over. Oh, oh, oh dear. And pulls it back. And ah, you're not Rachel. You're Leah. Wait a minute. I've been deceived. The deceiver got deceived. Right? So he goes back to uncle Laban. He says, what did you do? Well, in our culture, get this firstborn thing. Maybe, maybe you got the, you got the birthright as the youngest. Maybe you got the blessing because you deceived. But in our culture, brother, let me tell you something. The firstborn always goes first. And so you got Leah. So you just take the week with Leah and just honor that with Leah. And at the end of the week, I give you Rachel too. But here's the deal. You got to work for me another seven years. And I got to tell you that second seven years wasn't as glorious as the first seven years. He dealt with sister-wife conflict and, and competition and kids and all kinds of family drama. He, he, he was trying to work for old Uncle Laban and old Uncle Laban is seeing how God's hand seems to be upon him. Even in the midst of all of this, God is blessing him and God's hand is on him and, and Laban has prospered because of it. And Jacob's at the end of the seven years and it's been a conflict. He goes, I, I got to go back home. And Uncle Laban says, I got to business proposal for you. We, we see that. I got a, a business proposal for you. And, and, uh, and, 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 and so why don't you stay here and work with me? And, and I see how I'm prospering. 
And in the midst of it, Jacob kind of de- determines the wages and, and then he's prospering and, and Laban's not. And Laban says, well, wait a minute, you're prospering and I'm, I'm not striped and spotted sheep and all of that stuff. You got to read it. You can't make this stuff up. Nobody you can't say the Bible's boring. All right. It's not boring. It's not boring. Well, maybe Leviticus is a little boring. Numbers sometimes, you know, you can get, but it's not boring. But you get into this and you begin to, you, you see like all of a sudden he's like, this isn't very good. My wages have been changed 10 times. I'm here and there's family conflict. Like something's gotta, something's gotta change. And, and he noticed some things that Laban's sons were a little bit like, hey, he's taking everything our father has. That's our inheritance. And this guy, he comes in here and look, he's taking it. And there were problems with his father-in-law and problems with his brother-in-laws and problems within his family. And, and he has a reset moment, a reset moment. See, I preached all of that and I haven't even gotten to the points yet. All right, we're going to go quickly through these, all right? These are reset steps. Jacob's reset journey, and here's some reset steps. If you need a reset in your life, here's some reset steps that I think you need to take. Number one, discern God's will. Jacob wasn't in a good place. And although God had been with him and given him wisdom, uh, things with Laban weren't good. Genesis 31, 1 and 2, but Jacob soon learned that Laban's sons were grumbling about him. Jacob has robbed our father of everything. They said he's gained all his wealth and our father's expense at our father's expense. And Jacob began to notice a change in Laban's attitude for him. Oftentimes there's a change. There's kind of a change. And, then, and when you experience that change, that's when you need to discern God's will. Is, is God shaking some things up in me because there's a change that needs to happen in my life? Let me tell you something. Sometimes God will shake things up in your life to get you to a place where he can bring about the change that he desires to do. But that takes a discerning of God's will because that's not always the case. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we've got to persevere. Can I just pause for a moment there? Not all shaking is bad shaking. Sometimes there's a spiritual warfare and sometimes you just got to learn how to persevere and mature and grow and God will want you to grow through it. But sometimes God begins to stir things up because he's saying, listen, I've got a different direction that I want to take you on. Jacob fulfilled his commitment. He had, he, had, he had served for seven years. He had served another seven years. He had made that commitment. He was there. He had served that. And he knew he was supposed to go back to where he had come from. He knew he was supposed to go back and return to his father's family. Genesis 30 says that. But then Laban offered him a partnership and Jacob took it. Sometimes you know a direction that you're supposed to go. Sometimes you know something you're supposed to do, and yet you don't take it. Can I say that this return was as much spiritual as it was physical? And sometimes when you're out living your life and you're paying your dues, sometimes God will bring you to the end of yourself because he's trying to bring you back to him and back to his promise and back to his purpose and back to what he has for you. But oftentimes we persist, we bargain and we say, well, maybe I'll just stay a little longer. Maybe I won't return to God. Maybe I'll just keep living my life my way a little bit longer. And God stirs things up. Jacob describes the problem. Genesis 31, 6 and 7. You know how hard I've worked for, my, for, for your father, but he's cheated me, changing my wages 10 times. God has not allowed him to do me any harm. 
and these, these problems. And, and, and then Jacob describes how God spoke to him in verse 13. God said this, I'm the God who appeared to you at Bethel. See, he's discerning. This is God speaking to him. It's not just a reaction. God speaks to him. And, and God says, who appeared to you at Bethel. Bethel. What is Bethel? Bethel was the house of God. Bethel was the encounter that Jacob had right before he left when he was afraid. And he didn't know what was going to happen and where he was going to do. He encountered God. And God said, listen, it's time to come back to me. The place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. I want to do a reset in your life. You've been over here, but it's time to reset back to where I had you. Back to where you were. Back to the way it was. You need, I need to do a reset in your life and bring you back. I need to bring you back so I can fulfill my promise. This had only been a detour. And the unpleasant changing circumstances awakened the desire in Jacob to return to Bethel, the place where he experienced God. God will often use unpleasant circumstances in your environment to change so that you'll seek him for his guidance. Seek the Lord for his guidance. And part of the discernment included for Jacob a recognition of how God's hand had been on him this entire time. If you read through the chapters, you don't hear about Jacob seeking God or God speaking to him. He's just living life over here. But God says, I need to do a reset. And God begins to speak to him in the midst of unpleasant and changing circumstances and says, it's time to go back home. It's time to go back home. It's time to go back. It's time to do what, what you were meant to do all the way along. You've paid your dues. You've been over here. It's time to come back. It's time for a reset. Genesis 28, 15. Jacob uh, says this, what's more, or God says this, what's more, I'm with you. And I'll protect you wherever you go. One day I'll bring you back to this land. I'll not leave you until I finish giving you everything I promised. God says, I'll not leave you. I've been with you. I protected you. I'll not leave you. I'm going to bring you back. It's time for a reset. And Jacob discerned the timing of God's will. And it was, it was affirmed by his wives as well. You know what? Let's go. Let's get out of here. It's time for a reset. Some of you need to, you, you know where you need to be in your walk with the Lord. And it's not where you are right now. And God is speaking to you and saying, I want to do a reset in your life. I want to do a reset in your life. But to do that, you got to face your fears. That's number two. You got to face your fears. This was going to involve some risk. If Jacob was going to go back home, guess who was back home? Esau. Guess what? His father was still alive. Even though his father thought way back when that he was going to die, he didn't die. His mom did, but he didn't. His father didn't. He had to go back and face up to what he had done. He had to go back, and that created some anxiety in him. Genesis 31.3, the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your father, your grandfather, to your relatives there, and I'll be with you. You got to go back and face your fears. Go back and face your relatives. Go back and face your father. Go back to that place. Go back to that place. And Jacob knew that the reset meant that he was going to have to come face to face with Esau. And God promised that he would be with him. But Jacob had to take those steps of faith. 
We know this is the case that he was nervous about meeting his brother Esau because Genesis 32, 4 and 5 said he told them, give, he, he, he sent messengers ahead of the way to meet his brother ahead of time and let him know he was coming. And he told them, give this message to my master Esau, humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now I've been living with Uncle Laban and now I own cattle and donkeys and flocks and sheep and goats and many servants, both men and women. I, I, I've sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you'll be friendly to me listen I know that I I kind of took your 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 birthright I know I kind of deceived you out of the blessing but I'm not coming because I want anything else from you I God has already blessed me I've got everything I need but I hope I hope I hope I hope that you're going to be friendly to me and what was Esau's reaction well the messengers came back and said Esau's coming with an army of 400 men that doesn't sound good that doesn't sound very good Right? So he's a little bit frightened. So he has this thing. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take, you know, and the whole conflict with the whole sister thing turned into take my servant and sleep with her and have kids with her and take my servant and sleep with her and have kids with her and, and that kind of thing. And so he basically has four wives, two concubines, two wives. And so he takes the servant wives and he puts them up with their kids first. How, how would you like to be a dad? And, and, you know, your dad just like puts you out there first and says, well, you'll be the one sacrificed first. Here you go. And lines him up and, and Rachel and, and Joseph in the back and, and kind of the back of the caravan and he, because he's afraid. All, too often, friends, we avoid a reset that God wants to do in our lives because we're afraid of facing our past mistakes. We don't want to face our past mistakes. So we don't allow God to do a reset because we don't trust that, that God's able to help us overcome the things in the past that we have to deal with. A reset involves dealing with some of the past, dealing with some of the failures, dealing with some of the problems in the past. It's not just avoiding them. You've got to deal with them. Spoiler alert. Jacob does get to greet Esau, and it's much different than he envisioned. Genesis 33, 3 and 4, then Jacob went on ahead, approached his brother, bowed to the ground seven times before him, and Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Can I just say that I don't think it's, it's really rarely is it ever as bad as we envision it to be. When, when, when God is with us and God is calling us to face those things, it's, it's rarely ever as bad as we think it's to be. We make it up more in our head. We have arguments in our mind and we picture all of the worst case scenarios of what's going to happen. And it holds us back from the very thing we need to do. Some of you need a reset and you've got to trust God. As you confront your past failures and let God do a healing work in your heart. Thirdly, Jacob wrestles with God. You knew this one was coming if you knew anything about the story, right? You knew this was coming, right? Jacob's waiting to see Esau and he has another encounter with God that was significant to the resource, the reset he needed. Genesis 32, 24, and 30, it's on the screen. I don't, I'm not gonna read the whole thing but, but, but because we don't have time, but basically uh, Jacob is wrestling with a man and, 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 and he's wrestling with him all night long. And he won't let go. And, and the man is unable to, to, to overcome. And we realize it's an angel, an angel of the Lord, and unable to overcome. And he says to him, what do you want from me? And what is Jacob's words? I want you to bless me. I've been heel grabbing all my life. I've been, I've been grasping at things all my life. And you know what? I deceived uh, my brother and I got him to sell me his birthright, but that wasn't enough. 
and then I deceived my dad, and, and I, I, I went along with mom's plan, and my dad blessed me, but man, it's been, not been enough. It's not been enough. I, I haven't had the favor of my dad, and I, I haven't had the, the favor of my brother, and then I went to old Uncle Laban, and, and I didn't get what I, what I felt I needed there, and I just, all my life I've been struggling. All my life I haven't felt like I've gotten what I needed. My entire life has been me grasping at this and grasping at that and trying to hold on to this and trying to get this fulfillment and trying to do that. But here I am, here I stand, afraid, about to face Esau once again. And there's something lacking in my life. And as I wrestle, I need something. I need something. I need you to bless me, God. I need you to bless me. And he hangs on to God until he gets what he wants. And he says, you will no longer be called Jacob. You'll be called Israel. One who struggles with God. Some of you need a reset in your life. And that reset is going to come at a struggle. Not a struggle with fleshly things. But when you begin to wrestle with the identity that you've been lacking, the identity that you want, that will only come when you get a hold of God and you won't let go. When you begin to grab a hold of God and you say, God, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go until you give me what I need. I'm not going to let go until you change me. I'm not going to let go until you heal me. I'm not going to let go until you, until you bring what I'm lacking in my life. I'm not going to let go. We let go way too often. We don't know how to wrestle with God. And if we need a reset in our life, we got to learn how to wrestle with God. And he holds on to that and says, it's time. But and I, I can't, man, I know we're past time. I can't help it. Because something happens. All right, he gets satisfied. He, he wrestles in that change and he, he limps and he walks different. Listen, when you wrestle with God, you're going to walk different. You're going to walk different. But rather than go on to Bethel, he doesn't go on to Bethel. Look what happens. The next one is bury idols. We're going to get to that in a moment. But he, 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 he left Haran where Laban had lived for Bethel. That's what he set out for, to go to Bethel. God said, I want you to return to Bethel, the place where you had the encounter with me. But then he, then he meets Esau, and, and it's better than what he expected, and, and he wrestles with God, and, and it says this, verse 30, Genesis 33, 17, Jacob, on the other hand, traveled on to Succoth. There he built himself a house and made shelters for his livestock. Let me tell you, when you settle, it sucketh. Can I just say that? Sorry, maybe that was crass. I apologize. It means shelters. Later, having traveled from Padam, Aran, Jacob safely, uh, arrived safely at the town of Shechem in the land of Canaan. That's not Bethel. He set up camp outside the town. Jacob bought a plot of land where, where he camped from, his, from the family of, uh, of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver. And, and he didn't go all the way to Bethel. He stopped short. And it caused his family to have pain. His daughter Dinah was raped by one of the sons of Shechem. His name was Shechem, actually, sons of Hamor. His name was Shechem in the city of Shechem. By settling, he paid a price. And then his two sons used uh, religion of circumcision to wipe out and kill all the men of the town and, in response. And, 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 and he, he experiences pain in that area. 
And, and God appears to him again in Genesis 35 and verse 1. And God said, get ready to move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Listen, listen, you have stopped halfway. You have not come all the way. When it comes to a reset, you got to go all the way to where God was. Quit stopping halfway. Don't just settle. Don't settle. Don't camp. He camped. <laughs> And, 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 and it was time to go to Bethel and it had been a place of compromise. And watch what he does next. And in response to this, that costly compromising, that, that costly thing, God says, listen, go to Bethel. That's where I called you. Go to Bethel. What he does next, verses two through four, Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all your pagan idols, purify yourselves and put clean clothing. We're, we're going to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered my prayer. When I was in distress, he's been with me wherever I've gone. So they gave Jacob all the pagan idols and the earrings and he buried them under the great tree of Shechem. Where did these idols come from? Well, we know that Rachel stole them from her father Laban and sat on them and all of that kind of stuff. You can read the story. It's interesting. But they also, they wiped out that entire town and they probably, you know, you collect the plunder from the town. And he says, you know what? These things are a stumbling block to me. These things are idols in my life. They're keeping me from going all the way to where God had called me on the reset to go all the way back to God. There are some things in your life that you've got to bury. There's some idols in your life. You'll never get the full reset that, you, that God wants to do in your life unless you take an evaluation of the idols that keep tripping you up. The things in your heart, the things you look to and hang on to for security that are not God. The things that you, you trust in. See, worship is about trust. And, and when you don't trust in God and you trust in your security and other things, they trip you up from fully taking a reset in God. Some of you have some things you know you need to bury. Some things you know you need to get rid of in order to get back so that finally, number three, you can, you can build an altar to the Lord. Jacob returned to Padam Aran. God appeared to him again at Bethel and God blessed him saying, your, your name is Jacob. But your name will no longer be called Jacob any longer from now on, Israel. So God renamed him Israel. Didn't God already do that? But he settled. And God had to renew it and say and remind him again. But it happened when he built an altar at Bethel. And God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. And I'll give you the land that I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I'll give it to you and your descendants after you. That promise didn't come until he made it back to Bethel. That promise that, that, that he, was, he once had had and once desired didn't happen until he completed the reset and got back to Bethel. Listen, some of you have been waiting for God to do things in your life, but you've drifted from him and you have idols that need to be buried and you haven't wrestled enough with God and you haven't faced your fears and you've been out and God is saying, discern my will. It's time for a reset in your life. I want to bring about what I have promised, but you've got to come back to me. You've got to build an altar to me. You've got to bury the idols. You've got to wrestle a little longer. You've got to face some things in your past. You've got to face some failures. You've got to face some mistakes. You've got to face who you are. You've got to face your fear. Come back to me. And you will see that I'll renew my promise to you. Some of you need a reset in your life. Worship team, will you come?
Some of you need a reset. God wants to do a reset in your life. He wants to do a reset spiritually. He wants to do a reset in your marriage. He wants to do a reset in your, in your priorities, in your desires, in your finances. God wants to do a reset, but you've got to come back to him. Let's bow our heads. If you're here this morning or maybe watching online, you say, that's me. I need a reset in my life. Maybe you, you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you need to surrender to Christ for the first time in your life. You'd say, that's me. I need to return. I've been drifting away and I need to return to Jesus. I need to return to Jesus. I need a spiritual reset in my life. As we begin this new year, you say, that's me. Will you slip up your hand or will you let us know online? I need a reset in my life. I need a reset in my life. Some of you might have some idols to bury. Some of you might have some fears to face. Some of you might need to take this message and, and wrestle with it a little bit and wrestle with God and let God bring you back to that place. Jesus, right now, we thank you for the resets that you do in our life. And we ask Jesus that you would speak to us, speak to our heart. God, that you would bring us to that place, whatever it is that we're wrestling with or struggling with. I pray for those that are trying to discern what is your will for our lives? What's your will What's your will right now in my life? That God, you would speak very clearly as to whether, whether Lord, this is a time to persevere, whether this is a time where you're trying to get attention and say, come on, come back, come back. Jesus, for the idols, bring the idols, Holy Spirit, that we have grasped onto and hung onto and trusted in, that we need to bury, that we need to bury so that we can fully come back to you. Father, we thank you today. And I pray, Lord, that you would do a reset in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.